Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Powinski and Eduardo Manteca, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And I'm Eduardo. And here we go, the book of Genesis. We're back. Um, so we did take a little break for some time for, for a lot of different reasons. If you've been listening the last few chapters, you know, we kind of decided to go into some um, other subjects, but nonetheless, you know, we have not forgotten about why we, we've been breaking down the Bible and and the book of Genesis. And last time we spoke in regards to the book of Genesis, we were on the story of Adam and Eve. Right. And this time we'll be moving into um, one of my favorite stories um, as a child, just because of the lessons that I always found myself um, kind of discovering uh, over the, the years. And that is the the story of Cain and Abel. And, um, you know, you bring up a good point and I want to kind of intercept really quick because this is one of those stories that exoterically as a child, you can actually pull significance of where like when you're trying to figure out what the apple means to Eve as a child and then you get that explanation, you're like, um, I feel like you're phoning that one in, buddy. Yeah. You know what I mean? But this is one even exoterically you can relate to. So please continue because I thought that was a fantastic point. No, I'm glad you said that, man, because that's that's why I said what I said. It's just, I remember, you know, even in Bible study in Catholic school, I remember this is the one where you kind of stop and look, you know, there's sort of this, and I almost feel like whoever is telling the story, my grandfather did Bible study for a lot of um, underprivileged children in Mexico. And so I'd always hear different, um, verses and different stories, but this is the one that I could always recognize even kids that were younger than me sort of engage into. And so, and there's a reason for it, right? And we're going to obviously break that down today. And so without further ado, what I'll do is tell the story, you know, for those who are not familiar with, with, um, the story of Cain and Abel, um, I'll do just like a sort of summary of it. But, uh, so Cain and Abel, you know, the, the first humans to be conceived by the first humans, right? Right. The splitting of the, the atom. There you Funny go. Funny how that works and gets connected again. And uh, the two sons of Adam and Eve. And, um, you know, so now that um, you know, we, we, we really talked a lot about Adam and Eve and, and the idea of, you know, the fall, right. We have here, um, the two individuals that can be, um, that we will be, I should say, uh, bringing up uh, along the way and how they resemble our internal struggle and struggle of making these sort of decisions on earth. Cain being the eldest and Abel being the youngest, um, these two brothers, you know, both have different roles in their lives as far as um, what their purpose on earth is. Uh, you know, Cain being a, a, a farmer, and Abel being a shepherd. And, uh, you know, the story sort of goes that Adam and Eve end up having a conversation with their sons and telling them that, you know, it's time that you give up a worthy sacrifice to God. And and both brothers agree to, you know, make their way into giving something up in their lives for God. And in the choices that they have to make, they both, you know, present themselves um, in a very unique way. And so the story sort of begins as they approach this, this, I think it's like a fire pit, if I'm not mistaken, but they, they end up approaching this fire where in the fire they, they give their sacrifices. Abe, the youngest, decides to take a newly born lamb into the fire, and then you have um, Cain, who who decides to take some old fruit, if I'm not mistaken. And right away, I mean, the Bible doesn't ever go into a specific on what happens after they both deliver their sacrifice, but it, it sort of lends itself to the, or, or the, the story kind of lends itself to your imagination of like, who gave the more worthy of the sacrifices, uh, who gave the more worthy um, object. And in this case, 
you know, Abe giving this, this newly born lamb, I think the story goes that the lamb ignites brightly um, in a very, very powerful way. And then as Cain throws in the fruit, I think the fire just sort of um, smolters. And so that, that right away kind of shows, you know, which of the two had the worthy sacrifice. Um, so thereafter, uh, you know, as far as like what I know in the book of Genesis, you know, God favors Abel over Cain, you know, um, basically Cain ends up growing angry and upset that God has taken, um, Abel's decision as something of, of worth, even though Abel already had sort of a life that seemed to be going exactly the way Abel always intended for it to be always well-liked always someone with an abundance. Whereas Cain, a farmer, um, you know, just kind of had the harsh, um, you know, environment that, that, that a farmer has to live in, in order to, to be profitable, um, never really found his way through, um, through his efforts that he, that he so claimed that he was putting into. So, you know, again, I, I, if I struggle here through this story, it's because like, I can really go into the story based on the Bible, but I'm trying to like sort of separate myself from just going into this, the biblical story and then just like the basics of this. So in essence, you know, the two brothers, although they love each other very much, one grows to hate the other because of this uh, distinction between the two. One, one being that is Cain grows with jealousy and a rage and he ends up you know feeding that those feelings to the point where he ends up killing his brother right mm-hmm. if you didn't know the story that's how it ends um and so as after Cain ends up you know unfortunately killing his brother you know I know God there's a the famous words where God comes to Cain and says you know where is your brother Abel and Cain says you know um Am I my brother's, my brother's keeper? keeper? Yeah, you know, and so God, of course, already knew where um, where Abel was. I think God describes that you know the the blood on the ground cries to me from your brother's death, and so Cain is now um, casted out into the world as a vagabond and one who cannot even be killed, so he can really suffer uh, for this time left on earth. Uh, I know that Cain tries to plead with God about wandering the earth as a vagabond and and not being able to protect himself. And God says, no one will touch you, not because I have pity over you, but because the sacrifice or because of what you have done, you will suffer for, for the time that you have left here on earth. And so, so that's the story in essence. I, I know for all those out there who are biblical scholars and everyone else who are probably like just pulling their hair out right now, it wasn't really my intent to just give the story in a very romantic fashion because the basics of it, you know, if you didn't know the story already are these ideas between what we internalize and how we internalize things in regards as to who gets what and how we go about deserving what we think we deserve or asking for what we want uh, in a fashion that isn't true to spirit. And so, um, yeah, after that dark path begins for Cain, you know, we kind of understand what will happen thereafter with, you know, the lineage that Cain um, will have for the years to come. And, and we'll get into that as well. So again, without further ado, man, the story the story has been told. Let's go ahead and get into it, man. Yeah, no, fantastic. And thank you for giving us that backstory on that, on that, because again, this is something that goes back to all spiritual texts and everybody has this, this story in there somewhere. And we have this internal conflict, which we're going to be kind of getting into. And just because it's been a while since we've jumped into Genesis and really thought about that mindscape that we really kind of want to approach this story with, we always want to remember that this is the story of you, and this is the story of your development, and this is also the evolution of consciousness since the beginning of time. So it doesn't matter what time frame you find yourself in, this eternal struggle that we're going to see between these two brothers lives within you, right. and this is going to be what is this story is trying to allude to us. And so Cain and Abel is this epic story, and really what we're looking for here is exactly what the allegory has set up for us. We started with Adam, 
right? Which is the Adam, which is the basis of all life. And then that was split to make Eve. And if you know anything about electromagnetic energy and the generation of energy that makes the whole universe go, it happens with the splitting of atoms, right? right? And this is why Adam was, this is why Eve was taking out of the rib of Adam. We're really just talking about a scientific process happening here, right? That is the electromagnetic energy that kind of vibrates this whole existence. So what we're seeing here is that further separation of the atom. And when you change the atom and you change the compounds, you get different elements and you get different manifestations. So this is going to be almost this outward expression of what is internally kind of happening in Adam and Eve. So if you guys remember when we were speaking about Adam and Eve, we really broke Adam and Eve up as Adam being that conscious part of your brain, that 15% awareness. Right. And then Eve representing that subconscious, the subconscious and the collective unconscious that's even buried deeper below. But that makes up pretty much like 85% of the operative um, aspects of the brain at any given moment. And so what we're going to see here is that subconscious and that conscious now gives birth to this creation. And they break it up into two individuals, but it's really these two individuals living within one. And so again, Chinese philosophy, this was the yin and the yang um, Native American mythology. This is going to be the white wolf and the black wolf that lives mm-hmm. inside you. In Eastern Europe, in Eastern Hinduism, this is when you're talking about the the white lodge and the dark lodge, right? Right. And what path are you going to take? Are you going to take that left hand path of the materialism or the right hand path of spirituality? And so, what Cain and Abel are going to come to represent is the aspect of that balance between that left side material aspect of consciousness that's needed for the evolution of consciousness, and then that right side, that internal connection to the source of where we all came from. Right. Okay. And so that's exactly what we're going to be kind of looking at with this Cain and Abel story. So when we're thinking of Cain and Abel, it's this internal process, and you really want to t- talk about it as your dance between the materialistic side of you, which is very important, and the spiritual side of you, which is very important. And this is why that middle way is going to come up again, and this is that middle path. And it's always going to be about the balancing of this. So you brought it up great, because Cain represents the aspect of fruit and materialism, right? And kind of like the material world, because he's he's working the ground. Right. So he's working that soil. So the tiller of the soil is what Cain breaks down to mean in Hebrew. That's really going to mean the mind and kind of the aspect of the earth and you know, everything that we dig up to know and what we know about life and how we express life. Okay, so Cain is never seen as a negative individual. Okay, um, the actions of Cain are going to see as a negative individual. Right. And that's the same thing in materialism. Materialism isn't negative until your relationship with materialism is negative. But materialism could be one of those, the incubator of your spiritual growth, if your relationship to material relationship to materialism is correct, right? Right. So again, we don't want to victimize Cain, um, and that's what we've kind of learned through this whole Bible. Like we've learned that the snake wasn't as bad as we thought. We learned that what you know, es- esoteric Christianity tried to blame Eve with wasn't really her. You know, so we're we really kind of uh, alleviate some of that. Um, that pressure that's put on there. But Cain may representing the mind, and then Abel is going to kind of represent more of those divine thoughts and that spiritual aspect of us. Um, and that has to be above the material. Right. Okay. And so in offering to the eternal, and offering to God, this comes down just to the very aspect of what are you offering to eternal life? Because the thing with Cain it depends on the Bible you read. Sometimes it's you know, sometimes it's rotten fruit, but sometimes it's just fruit. But you have to remember you're offering up to the life of all life that has no beginning and no end. So it sees the beginning of everything and it sees the end. So not only does it see the fruit ripened, it sees the fruit decomposed, and it sees the fruit as a seed. But it sees the life cycle of it and it sees it as finite. And so it can't perceive the finite. Because it's infinite. It sent you here to perceive the finite, to understand the finite, and then come back to it. So there's no way to make that transaction over. And that's why it doesn't matter how much you donate to a religious organization. 
it's never going to physically save your soul. It's going to have to come through this aspect of Abel, which is these divine thoughts and this divine purpose. And it's in your divine actions and that really connection of that divine self, that is the only thing that you can actually give as an offering. Right. And that's why they call it you offer up your firstborn. When everybody says, like, you know, in stories, like, I will have your firstborn. Well, what they mean by that is you're offering up your Canaan personality. Right. You're offering up your personality as a sacrifice to be killed so you can make space for God. And then that's what that whole aspect is. So how the sacrifice was supposed to go is it's supposed to go that Abel almost sacrifices Cain's lower self to give space for more for more of universal creation. Um, and so that's where we're kind of in this aspect. That's where we kind of find ourselves. So you can't offer the Alpha Omega anything that's material because it's not bound by time. So your offering has to be eternal. So it can't be this physical aspect. And it's it's kind of what we get alluded to do and kind of it's easy to kind of fall into that path of trying to do that. But what this story is trying to tell you is the most important spiritual currency, the most important currency you can create is going to be the spiritual currency, is going to be character development. It's going to be self-unfoldment. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. The ability to – so in the story here, and I love what you're saying in regards to not victimizing Cain, but you know, the lesson right, right away is that you know one expects nothing and the other one not necessarily – expects everything, but doesn't really do things with the idea of the eternal bliss that comes from a true intention of connecting to spirit. And so Cain is more on the superficial, not necessarily on a negative aspect, but more on the, well, what's in it for me and why should I give you everything that I have? Um, you know, and, and that's something that, we, you know, I think a lot of people obviously can, can attest to throughout their lives. It's like, if I'm going to spend my time or my energy giving something up for no guaranteed reward, then why should I even walk this path? But the path right there, the 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 secret right there is unfolded if you don't question that and you do it with true intention, because then the intention actually manifests into the ultimate reward, which is the salvation of your soul and the connection to source that you may have not even known you had, or maybe you did know you have, but it's now more fruitful in the end. Um, and so I think that that's something that everybody in that duality will have to deal with because it's hard not to want to fall to a, a, a way of living that shows you physical evidence of your reward. So I think anybody in the most basic fashion, you know, who works to reap the material uh, benefits will tell you they'll always end up empty-handed, you know, uh, spiritually speaking. You know, they're always looking to get more out of something that they're not really on the path to really doing it for an altruistic reason. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I feel like this is the perfect story that sort of shows you that, that difference. So again, my point to be with what you said is that not to victimize Cain is that's the bad guy. And then Abel is the good guy. It's just the intention behind the sacrifice in itself, you know, and mm -hmm. what, why it's an important lesson uh, for all of us who, who walk here on earth. And, and the, also the, the idea that we have that, free will decision to to make that choice to really understand like okay does this benefit only i or does this benefit the greater you know the greater good the greater uh purpose for why i am here you know mm -hmm. if, if you're if you're able to do such a laborious task like be a farmer there's probably a reason why you've been able to have this talent or at least this ability to work as hard but I think that's when people kind of start to turn on themselves or on a higher um, spirit and they kind of cut that off because they're like, I'm working as hard as I can and mm -hmm. it physically hurts and there's nothing coming out mm -hmm. of this. So why? Right. Why should I even, you know, where Abel already from the get go, the younger sibling already knows, you know, in his heart that, you know, there is no guarantee that something will be rewarded to me for my sacrifice, but I know in my heart that there's something something bigger um, going on here, 
that that I feel in, in inside. And so again, back to the left and right side of the brain, you know, you have your heart and how it connects to the soul and the mind, and then you have your analytical side that's sort of calculating all the efforts that have been, you know, um, put into place in order to reap a physical benefit. And that's where you see a divide right there, you know? So right. if that makes sense. No, a hundred percent, man. As far as not victimizing just can't, because you're right. The, the, we have to kind of bit, go back and forth between what the Bible says and then the interpretation of what it's actually saying. Because yes, when you're much younger or even just now, if you were to read the story and I know anything about the Bible, you'd be like, well, this guy Cain's a fool for sure. I mean, he's mm -hmm. like trying to cheat his way through a whole process here. But you got to understand that things didn't lend themselves as easily as the way the Bible describes it. It's not like God, of course, if God was something somewhere in the sky above just talking to you right at you there's no way you'd you'd probably still make the mistake because you would be giving a sacrifice out of fear you know saying like oh god there he is like here's take all of it take my whole farm and god would still know the difference between your real intention and you just being afraid of him right or, or of god um does that make sense yeah absolutely absolutely and i think too the um Kind of like what you said about the money. That's what I meant to say. You, um, you said about just giving up money. You were talking about, you know, are you really giving a charitable donation out of fear and, and wanting to be seen in the eye of God as someone who's good? Or are you doing this because in your heart you feel the desperation out of an individual who can't fend for themselves, yet you have an abundance that you could easily share? Um, I think that that's a treaty between you and God. When you When you do that, when you make that step, God knows what you really did. You know what I mean? The higher self, you know, really kind of presents itself when it feels, when it's felt through the heart and why you're doing something. You know, I hear people say that all the time um, where they're like, you know, I don't give money away to everybody who might be homeless, but there's something about a certain person you look at and you just feel it and you just know. And I think that's, that's the important, um, you know, aspect of yourself to unfold when that presents itself. But you were saying, I'm sorry, man. No, you're good, man. Cause I think that's, that's perfect. Um, and I'm going to touch on two things. I, I like how you kind of went back around to, you know, it's all about intention, you know, um, it's that heart that goes behind that giving that really is going to justify whether that's going to be for somebody's progress in your progress, or if it's going to be the detrimental, um, but even when we're just like thinking, because again, it's the Bible, so we have to study the symbolism of everything. Right. Um, you brought up that aspect of the farmer, and then we have the, um, and then we have Abel, right, who's going to be the keeper of the sheep, so he's going to be a shepherd. So right off the bat, because Abel has this connection to these, when he represents these, the divine thoughts, and Cain more represents the the materialistic, earthbound aspect of ourselves. We all we already see this kind of freedom that these divine thoughts offer, and we're farming. Right. What this is trying to symbolize is this stagnation and being because you live in the material, your whole life is bound by the material. So you have to wake up at a certain time to water the seeds. You have to till the land. You have to do all these aspects, and you physically have to work to make your livelihood. Where a shepherd. The representation of the shepherd at this aspect, and that it's got a deep representation in itself. And when we go through, we'll do a whole episode on Bible symbology, and we'll we'll, we'll break down the lamb, and we'll break down what the shepherd even means even deeper. But the shepherd's going to represent this freedom, because a shepherd moves from grass, green grass to green grass to green right. grass, and it goes to fresh water, fresh water to fresh water. The shepherd's whole aspect is to move and explore and not be bound by the material aspect of consciousness and not to be tied up in it either, okay? And it's that fluidity and that lightness that comes with meeting spiritual people, right? Right. And so again, we're not so much talking about physically being able to travel. And I'm also not saying like, hey, farmers, you got it bad, because right now in life, I think farmers have it better than most. Like that's what I think most people wish they could be doing right now, rather than, you know, being stuck on a computer from eight to 10 hours a day. Right. Right. Um, so, but we're again, remember the time that zone that the, the time frame that we're kind of working with, but this pharma was seen as this aspect of really the beginning of materialistic society as well. And so Cain also represents not just the physical aspect of ourselves and that mental aspect of ourselves, but everything that's going to be created from that, because it wasn't until we started farming 
that we were able to actually make cities. Because right. before that, when we were just shepherds and we would just kind of pick, follow wild game, we were, nor- we were nomadic. We right. lived in small, small you know, groups and we traveled with either the harvest, what was naturally growing, or the wild animal life or something, right? But we lived in like small societies. So Cain is also going to represent this ability and this evolution and consciousness into these like larger materialistic city centers, which is going to have progress for arts and society and communication and medicine, right? Which is the beautiful aspects of materialism, but it's also going to give harvest and shelter for some of these feelings that are first expressed by Cain because like the self-will self-will and jealousy like we talk about jealousy when has jealousy come up yet like we had adam and eve were embarrassed when they realized that they were naked right and that was like that big thing of like that whole aspect we were talking about um and and we but jealousy hasn't been expressed by a human yet Mm -mm. right and so we're going to start to see this jealousy this is the first murder so we're going to see this aspect of wow even though we're all brothers we can be violent with ourselves. Oh, wow. Even though these brothers live within e- ourselves, they literally can be killing each other right now right. as we speak. And it, that's happening. That's happening to most of us because Abel's getting slain every day to the sacrifice of, you know, when life gets so heavy and life gets so, and you get so wound up in this material aspect and you kind of become spiritually dead and you kind of forget what your true purpose is and why you're here and that you're actually here more than just to load an Amazon shipping order, right? But when we forget that, and when we forget that there's that spark of life and that there's a reason why we're here, we are Cain sacrificing Abel. Right. Okay, and Abel's never going to violently sacrifice Cain. Okay, what will happen there is Cain's foundation, after sacrificing Abel so many times, will just fall apart because Cain's foundation is finite Abel's financial find, um, foundation is infinite, right? And it's eternal, right? And that's why Abel can always be reborn at any moment as well. And that's something that we don't see in this testimony of the Bible, because again, we're looking at the King James version, so it's this like really, you know, cut down version of the Bible, very cut down, you know. Yeah. Um, and a big shout out too, because I know all of our Gnostic students are going to be like. Cain was actually the birth of Samuel, the angel. And we'll get into that with the Gnostic episodes. So just a huge high five, if that's what you were going to say, and email me. Email me anyways, because I want to give you a a virtual high five for that. And we'll kind of get into that. And that's going to more even greatly understand the story. But again, we got to get these foundational aspects down. So we're going to approach it right here. But um, a lot of older Bible commentaries prior to the King James Version doesn't have Cain actually coming from Adam. But again, that's all part of that story, and we'll kind of talk about how everything kind of comes together. But this is this is this this killing of this Abel happens in society. It happens in every aspect of our life. It happens when innocence is taken away. It happens when hope is lost. It happens when anything is used to suffocate that eternal light. Because we think of Cain as like that darkness of our brain. And again, that darkness is super important um, for this like analytical aspect and understanding. Right. And it's so important that it stays alive. And that's why we'll kind of talk about why he's cursed um, to stay alive. But too much of that is going to black out that light. And it's going to black out that eternal light that is the driving, guiding force of all of our lives. That's going to give us this peace and grace and give us this freedom to where we don't feel like we have to till the soil every day to survive, but we can live on the abundance of the universal gifts and follow the universal's pattern of creation. And that's, again, why the shepherds are going to follow the seasons, and they're going to move with the seasons. They go they go with the stream, right? Where Cain's going to kind of represent, no, how can I build this? This is like, the, this is, Cain is the very beginning of like the Tower of Babel. Cain right. is going to be, this Canaan, it's the sons of Cain, which we'll do a whole podcast on. This is what has to get wiped out because of Noah. This is that aspect in ourself that um, if um, that 
that a lot of psychologists can kind of call that monster self. This is that kind of that werewolf aspect and that Jekyll and Hyde, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of approach. Um, this is that beast coming out, you know, and we're, if we give all that power to that beast and we cut off from that eternal light, then the beast takes over. Exactly. Right. And that's why Cain is considered the mark of the beast. And that's why we'll kind of look into that. But, um, well, it's an energy that he still, that still needs to be used in order to fulfill the physical and laborious tasks that, you know, are put upon us on earth. However, it's not the one, all be one. And that's where, again, talking about, um, the 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 yin and the yang you know we've always known that and and so you know and it's and it's taught you know way before the bible it's been taught to to have that balance but you know this is where you're going to see that representation of cain uh, in a lot of even in i mean of course in modern society right now the further we get away from source and the further we get away from any kind of spiritual grounding um the more you're going to find people who in their own way feel that it's a waste of time to wait for the seasons and move with the seasons. It's like, no, make your destiny here in this one spot and you will reap the benefits. But no one's thinking about the consequences later on. You know, it's like you're putting in the hard work in the present, but you're not really thinking about what the outcome is going to be. And as you were saying, the foundation eventually will crumble because it's finite as it is in the physical. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I feel like everybody knows this story, even if you haven't met someone who has physically told you this story, but the story of coming to old age and eventually saying like, whatever I did and how I did it had no meaning behind it. Therefore there's no meaning after it either. Mm -hmm. And so they find themselves lonely and um, desperate for that, that connection. But when your soul and mind work together in that conjunction, you'll always reap both benefits, the physical that will take care of you in the now um, and in the after but more importantly, what will take care of you in the eternal. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, again, this this whole spiritual exploration, the, the studying of the esoteric sciences is just to learn how to die properly. Yeah. You know, in the, the various deaths that we put ourselves in and then the final death of this body. But that's all you're doing. You're trying to understand how are you going to peacefully leave this vehicle with the self-conscious identity that you have. And this is why that materialism, this is that whole phrase, dust to dust. Like, this is why it doesn't matter how nice your house is. It doesn't matter how nice your casket is. It doesn't matter how much pillow lines it does, has, you know, it could even have like walkie talkies in there. Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Because you're going to leave it all behind. I've never heard and, of walkie talkies in there. And that would be the worst. Actually, now that I think about it, that would be so scary. Um, but, um, but yeah, like it's, it's this aspect of when we talk about this materialistic being finite, because in that final moment, which is going to be one of the most important moments of your life, you're not going to be able to call on any of that stuff. And the only thing that you're going to be able to call on is this spiritual nourishment and the spiritual understanding that you've put yourself through. And you'll be able to peacefully make this pass happen. And you'll peacefully be able to grow through this opportunity. And it's when we, again, kind of, veil ourselves with this Canaanite idea. And again, we, we really have to afford our attention to, to the time that we find ourselves in. And if we're in this Kali Yuga and we're correct on the time scale that we believe we're on, this is the age of Cain. Right. Right. And we're seeing all of these aspects of Cain really expressing itself out. And so, you know, recognizing that in your outside environment and then being able to make sure that you manifest that balance between that internally, because you know that on the outside, you're going to get pulled into this materialistic realm. Cause like, even when I, again, you know, we, we talk a lot about our family because if, you know, family is such an important part to your process, whatever that means, whatever your definition of family is, but mm -hmm. you know, like talking to my mom and my dad, you know, like, they're just like, Oh, you need to get like a, you need to get like a nine to five job. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get a nine to five job, but like, I can't sell my soul. And they're like, but you need to have more, like you need to make more money. And I'm like, yeah, but like not for my soul. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just so funny. Cause we have two different perplexing cause we, they think I'm crazy 
And I think they're crazy. You know what I mean? Like from their from their viewpoint and for how they've been raised and how they understand this world, it's a little bit more of this Canaanite materialistic realm. So they're Correct. like, you need shelter, you need food, and you need water, which is a hundred percent true. But me, I'm like, I would rather make one fifth of the amount of money and feel like I have my soul intact rather than making five times that amount and not having that connection to my soul. And to them, that's like kind of perplexing. Like they think I'm silly for like working a lower job to kind of maintain that. But then on my aspect, I'm like, no, you're crazy to think to sell your soul for, you know, these short lived luxuries. Absolutely. You know, like I don't need to have a nice bed or like I don't need to have this nice space. I just need walls. Does that make sense? It makes sense because the the thing, and even if you say walls, you know, their their priorities in their mind are for the best that they know for the son they love. And if the son they love isn't protected by the shelter that, you know, is covered over your, your physical body, then you're not living in a world that they can feel you're safe in. However, the shelter that you actually are creating is one that's not visible in the physical realm and is actually internal. And that's the one they should be giving praise to you for actually you know, creating a structure that protects and allows you to cross over into another existence. And, but, but in their mind, um, no, the fact that you're physically, the, the man I see in front of me right. is not protected by something or not living into a status or status of, of material wealth, then therefore, what was this all for if we gave them everything we thought we could? But what you're not really understanding is, is um, you know, you yourself as a being, um, and I'm always so happy to know you for this, is that you understand that able, that, that, that spirit that's basically as pure as it can be and not necessarily manipulated by the fears of others who just want to see the best in you, but by a different means. And actually, I have a really good example, if I may. I had a discussion that actually kind of, it sort of rattled me a little bit, but um, just bear with me here for a second, because you just said something about how we're living in this era with this sort of application to Cain. And one of the things that you'll learn in the story of Cain and Abel and you already said it, was the understanding of jealousy, right? Understanding of an eye for an eye, you know, and that, and that doesn't do anything for anyone. But it's just something that we, as I think animals, are going to have to always decipher between the more lower self, that reptilian complex we've talked about, and then the higher self that allows you to oversee and overcome this sort of like idea that uh, burns at, that, at the person who's who's seen this from a negative perspective, but this individual I met, I have to give you all the descriptions about who he is so that we understand how frustrating it was to have this conversation with him. But he's a guy that I've known for a long time that I've worked with. Now he has a very uh, obscure perspective on the world, but then again, we, we all can, and we all, that's part of our spiritual growth is to, you know, decipher between what it really is important and what really matters and what doesn't. Now, this man is a, he's a homosexual and he's white, okay? Uh, I have to say that because when I was talking to him, you know, uh, we have our differences, obviously, uh, both physically and, and just uh, spiritually, but I like him, you know, he, he's, a, he's a good, I've known him for uh, 10 years now. And the thing he was talking about is he was hating on his own kind, right? So I said, what do you mean you hate on your own kind? And he said, I think this is the time that all individuals, again, this man is white. He says, all white men are the worst kind of men. And I said, funny. So what do you think the solution is? He's like, I think we should find a way to prosecute and make the white man pay for all the passes that society has given them over the centuries for all the wrongdoing they've done. I said, okay, that's interesting. I said, so, so you're saying that and then he interrupted. He goes, well, he goes furthermore. He goes, when I go and walk my dog, there's a group of like white guys that are standing always in my apartment complex. And they're kind of just like hanging out. And he's like, I actively go around the other side of the complex to not confront them. However, if it was a group of African-American people, uh, I know for a fact I could I could lift my head up from the ground, look at all of them, and they would just nod 
how's it going? And I would not feel any fear. I said, like, I actually fear the group of the white men. And I said, so do you, do you see a, a solution here? Or do you see like, oh, what's, what are you trying to get at? I said to him, and he says, well, what I'm saying is like, I wouldn't mind casting myself out and the other white men in order to make a point that we don't deserve to be here right now. And I thought that was very strange because I said, look, you're friends with me. So what you're saying that is if I went to a room with other people of color and they were to tell me, hey, your friend's not allowed here, and I were to stick up for you and say, no, he's a good guy, you would let yourself out the door with no question? He goes, probably. And so I I hope this is making sense for the listeners, but what, what rattled me about it is that he's really just seen it from a perspective of an eye for an eye, He even himself though. So he's not really taking the responsibility of understanding that whatever his exterior may or may not be, his interior is, is good, it's pure, but he's got that all mixed up based on the story of the mistakes that Kane energy, if you will, has already made in the past that have nothing to do with him. He's a good person. He really is. But he just couldn't see past that. He's like, nope. I said, so you hate your own kind now? And he goes, oh yeah, absolutely. I said, but that makes no sense though, because like I like you and you like me. And I said, so shouldn't we be able to rise above this and actually, you know, see the change that we want in the world? And he says to me, um, I forget what he quoted, but he just said something along the lines of like, come back to earth, like come back to reality. He's like, the world is a terrible place and you're somewhere far away thinking that this can all be solved. I said, it can be solved. It can be solved by not having to lean on to these ideologies that society has created for you, like re- misunderstanding this uh, interpretation of Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. where you think, well, you know, forget Cain, and if I ever see Cain on the street, I will kill him. It's like, no, like, let, let, let what's, what God has intended for him to happen to him, which is why people can't actually touch Cain when um, God casts him out, you know. Right. Um, but I hope that makes sense. It was just a very interesting thing that I was like, why, where are you going with this? You know, like, what does this really mean for us as people in the society? And he was just all about vengeance. He was mm-hmm. just like, not at all seeing it. And the, the worst part about it is hypocritically speaking, he is the same person he hates. So I, I thought maybe, I don't know. I just thought that was a very interesting perspective in the times that we find ourselves in right mm-hmm. now. So I hope that makes sense. No, I mean, I think it's, there, there's definitely a, um, and we don't have to get into the specifics of this individual. I'm just saying like you, you brought up something about that cane energy mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay. Or that, that, that the times we find ourselves in kind of wanting to do that eye for an eye kind of thing. Well, yeah, we, I think these, um, social planners definitely astrologically know that this is a time period that this cane energy is available for them to kind of manipulate and I think that's exactly why they are trying to formulate um, almost like a modern day race war, war which is just so crazy because it is our generation was so past that. And to go back to it and just, you know, even just the idea of how this direction towards white individuals at this point and, you know, the, the word slave comes from the word Slav. Right. From Slavic individuals. And the, the Eastern Europeans were slaves longer than the Africans were, you know? And so what about those Eastern Europeans? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so interesting how every, all these people that were maybe had even like just as rough as situations, like people living in that Eastern Europe aspect of being, you know, the doormat between Russia and Germany for so long. And just all this aspect, all this pain that has happened in this world um, to be coming back around to that is just so crazy. But these social planners know this, and that's why they're kind of utilizing this to get the farm animals to fight each other, because at this point, we don't really need them as that aspect. And so right. the only way that if we find out that there's no fence, that's a problem for them. So they got to keep us fighting. So we don't really see that there's a fence. So I think that's a perfect time for a snapshot of how this Canian energy can kind of manifest itself. Right. And, the self-defeating aspect of it and the self-incriminating aspect of this Canian energy when it's cut off from that able source and how you can make a statement like all people of this color need to go. Like, that's crazy. Like, that's insane to even utilize that thought process, right? Um, 
And so, again, we're seeing this kind of expression of this, this Canaanite energy. But, you know, I think one of the important aspects, too, to kind of pay attention to in the story with, with Cain is when God doesn't let Cain be murdered, what that's talking about, that's the heaviness of the life experience. Right. It's that aspect of kind of the Saturn that we all have to carry, and it's these challenges that happen with life and just the heaviness that's going to come with this experience and almost the burden of being incarnated and having this body. And that's going to be represented very much like Cain, because there's a lot of times where we are crying out to God for just to end it or crying out to God to stop the pain. And that's what he's kind of alluding here. Like, there's nothing that's going to get you to be able to... Yeah, you're not going to get out of this. You're not going to get out of this one. You you took the fall, right? And we spoke about this before, so now you have to make your way back up. But if you are just going to get comfortable here, down here, um, playing Hungry Hungry Hippos, like, it's going to get bad for you. And it's your cycles are never going to go away, right? And it's just going to be just like that. But if you're just literally just trying to eat, you know, grab as much as you can when you're here and it's just like this big competition, well, you're going to feel those ramifications and you're going to kind of see these cycles. And this is going to be a drawn out life and you are going to come to the end of this life confused and lost. Correct. Right? Well, yeah, I like it that um, in understanding how to understand your Bible, which again, I will be one of the books that I bring up on to the uh, onto the Patreon account, but there is a, a section that Manly P. Hall talks about as Cain and Abel representing the first discord or confusion mm-hmm. uh, that arises in the superphysical um, organism that is man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's exactly what we're always going to be dealing with, you know, just mm-hmm. because uh, I've had people ask even me right now with this podcast, like, oh, if, if you speak of such things, then you must live a life of peace uh, and ease at all times. And I said, the only peace and ease that comes to me is knowing that there's an eternal home waiting for me. And it's my job to keep working as hard as I can to make it back there. So it's never easy. And I think if it is easy, then it's time to sort of look into what you're doing before, you know, you just continue to just live in this, like you said, I like the hungry, hungry hippo uh world you know just like hey like i'm the one winning all the money here on the board Mm -hmm. game like you know it's just um you know it's it's not something that i find comforting uh which is kind of ironic but i i like the discomfort because it keeps me on my toes and it keeps me as a student you know Mm -hmm. and i i tell people the longer i i exist um the less i know and the less i know the more i want to know and the more i want to know the more comfortable i feel knowing that there'll never be an answer you know, but internally, like able, you have to sort of lean on to knowing that don't expect the reward to come. But if you really connect to a higher self, you know, you'll see, you'll, you'll see glimpses of things mm-hmm. that will come to your life in the least expected moments, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's going to be really important. So now that we've kind of met these, the beginning characters to the sitcom called The Bible, right? We have the mom and the dad, and we have these two sons now. What we're going to see is the remaining characters, as they get introduced, belong to that family tree. So these traits that are kind of causal factors that we'll see will start to express themselves into the descendants as well. And so every character is going to start making up these different aspects. And really what it's going to show you is just the, the base like base desires that we have um, and this base, the base drives, I should say, not so much desires, Mm. but these base like 10 drives that we have. And we're going to kind of go over those 10 drives. And then what we're going to see is it kind of get fractured out and it's almost like a family tree. And we're going to see all these drives turn into desires, aspirations, thoughts, feelings, everything in the human experience. Right. And so we're really looking at causal aspects of our consciousness here. And so when you are trying to do work on yourself, this is where you want to get back to. So you follow the strings almost back to these causal factors and these causal drives, because this is the energy that if you are having any negative aspect in your life, if there's something that's happening on repeat that keeps happening and you can't get out of that pattern, it's because one of these 10 drives is not expressing itself correctly. And within these drives, and when we start talking about them, you're going to see aspects of Adam, you're going to see aspects of Eve, and you're going to see aspects of Cain and Abel in there. And so 
these initial stories are so important to grasp and even just to talk about like we are because they are the story that's this is like the beginning of the other stories that are coming. Yeah. And everything adds up and comes back to this and everything comes from this, right? So it's it's again this this story and whatever this bible really is is just such this like living breathing applicable organism. I love the way you just put that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this has been, you know, again, the break we took for a little while was necessary because, you know, I know it was getting kind of heavy and I know some of the listeners might've said that, but man, I could just go on and on reinterpreting verses of the Bible um, because they are so applicable to us since it is the story of us internally, but it just sort of lends itself to you in a way that nothing else really sort of does. I mean, there's many, many, many different, um, uh, you know, books of the esoteric and information of the esoteric and scriptures and passages that, that have come and gone that are all applicable, you know, whether it's in like stoicism or, you know, the Bible, it's like, okay, I understand what, where this is coming from. I understand how to relate to it. And I understand the foundations of maybe now modern day psychoanalytical approaches based on these same ideologies. However, though, it does live and breathe and it, 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 it's, it, it keeps going on and on for how many centuries now, even if it is a King James version, um, you know, th- these aspects of, of the human and the behaviors that we experience while on this path um, are all well described, you know, from the lineage of, of Cain. And we'll get into that with this, with the, with Cain's children and the, his lineage and what happens thereafter from the decisions of that very first moment where Cain leans into a darker side of himself by feeling jealousy, rage, and abandonment um, of some kind and having to not necessarily kill just his brother physically, but kill a part of himself mm-hmm. that he didn't really believe needed to be um, worthy of of sort of like taking a step back and understanding like, oh, this is why. Or he didn't understand. Or, or, or yeah, exactly. Right. Which yeah. I think is one of the main reasons we kill our spiritual side, especially... Yeah in this society we find because we were so miseducated on it that we kill it without even knowing what we're killing. Well, again, you were saying about, you know, my hat's off to you about what you do with facing a very, very real issue that I know I can relate to, um, which is not the approval of your parents, but somewhat the blessing of your parents for the decision you've made based on something not seen and only felt versus the other way around, which is felt and 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 not seen you know what i mean there's no there's no greater sadness in a giant house with one person in there weeping every day you know it's like what what did what did this get you how did this get you to something of of peace of mind and some people might just say you're a fool for even trying to like get that like Mm -hmm. of course i'm happy like i have everything i've ever wanted and you're like i don't know man you seem very very separated and dark and and sort of um absent from from the light that we all carry within and i think especially even like children know that right away they don't know the size of a house and why it's there or the things that are in the garage or the things that are you know in every room they just know that well where's the person because that's all i need to do is connect with that person and as Mm -hmm. soon as that they meet that person if there is nothing of worth inside of them then the the child knows right away like i don't want to be here right (laughs) you know like i need to get out of here right right um no, I, I completely agree. And I don't want to sound like a mustard pants when I'm talking about like my parents. I'm like, oh, no, poor me. But I think, understand. you know what I mean? No, but, but I mean, it's, it's good to, you know, want to be understood for the reasons we make decisions. You're not just making them out of some sort of frivolous, like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Therefore, I'm just going to wander around right. and not really apply myself to anything of worth. It's like quite the opposite. It's just to measure the worth. Um is a lot harder for some people who don't really see, you know, um, it in a volume that we do, you know what I mean? They see it as like an empty space. that's not right. being filled. Therefore you're not doing anything. Yeah. And you know, I think too, one of those big lessons, um, that kind of comes from those ancient thinkers is, you know, this world is this, this experience is not so much about other people understanding you. It's about you understanding other people and understanding yourself, you know, and, 
as long as you understand what's happening in the situation, you're not really, you know, creating barriers. You're not creating your own illusions in your head. And you're actually are kind of analytically kind of like Virgo thinking it kind of thing, right? And cutting through. Then it really doesn't matter what other people think of you. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's really important. And I think that's going to cause a lot of peace that can be had from that because I think there is so much energy that's good put into, you know, getting the approval of family members, friends, whatever it is. Um, when you're really just, you know, radiating this true self and you're tapped in with this able energy and you're experiencing the cane in its right position because cane needs to be there. He just doesn't rule over Abel. Abel rules over Cain. Right. Right. Or it's always as I think, so I feel, so I act. Right. Right. And so Cain really almost representing that action card definitely comes last, but he's so, so important. Right. right. But that whole dance um, is just so important. As long as we're in that connection and we're in that balance, that's really all we can hope for to place ourselves into being now pushed or not so much pushed, but guided into the right path of what we should do next. Right. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very telling story. I mean, I really, I, I, again, the exoteric and the esoteric is always the, the topic of discussion here with the Bible. But in this case, it's interesting how many people, you know, even biblical scholars to the King James version that is, will say like, man, this story is not as deep as you're making it out to be. And it's like, mm, okay, well, that's fine. That's your, mm-hmm. that's your interpretation. And when your time comes, you'll figure out what you want out of the story. And, and, um, you know, hopefully whatever we talk about amongst ourselves, you and I is just seen as an opinion based on, you know, what we see in the esoteric value that this story brings, you know? Right. Yeah, no, man. Um, I love it. I love it. So um, do you have anything more? I mean, I think when we kind of bring up the Sons of Cain, which will be their next episode or the following one, I mean, I think we can kind of go back um, and add anything to the Cain and Abel, because I know there's some stuff we kind of want to add about Adam and Eve as well. Um, but yeah, my man, did I cut you? Are you you good to go? I am. I mean, I think so. I'm saving a lot, and that's why I think I've been sort of stuttering my way through this um, episode. Is because I actually want to talk a lot about the descendants of Cain, and I think when we start talking about that, we can just keep going back to the foundation of what this story represents uh, with regards to the brothers. You know, mm-hmm. uh, even though I think one thing you brought up that I. Th- I appreciate is the native American folklore of the wolves and, and the hand that, that feeds it, you know? And I think that, um, I like that you, you went that direction. Cause that's something else that I think we'll continue to bring up throughout this biblical series. And, um, and yeah, I think the, the, the stories that we've brought up today, the personal stories, um, whether it be the individual I was telling you about, or, you know, whether it be like your relationship with your family, you said something that I really appreciate, which is, you know, um, understanding people, you know, and mm-hmm. not necessarily, because I haven't blocked that friend out for his perception on the world right now and his dark ideas of the world and how the world needs to, uh, you know, in essence, be a cane and teach someone a lesson. Um, I still, I still respect the individual and I still consider him a friend. Um, but I think that's the main thing to always to always strive for is to understand the individuals, you know, uh, especially if they don't understand themselves or understand where you're coming from, you know, and it's all love, you know, that's the thing, man. It's all, it's all love. And I think it's really hard, um, to see that once again, um, when your physical self isn't a representative of the comfort that others want to see in you, you know, they want to see you in a place and a house and a thing and all the things with the things and the things, and if you don't have them, then they're just like, oh gosh, they're just so, it's hard to compute, you know, um, how you're going to reap from the harvest that you aren't really putting yourself through uh, year after year. What are you going to eat, you know? And it's like, let my let my stomach guide me into where I'll get nourishment. You worry about yours, but I still care about you and I still love that you care about me and where I'm going to get my next meal. So you know, it's just something to consider always is, is, you know, even if people don't understand you, it's understanding where they're coming from. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's a perfect, perfect way to kind of um, 
kind of close this book just for for the moment, and we'll reopen this um, and kind of continue this whole journey through Genesis. Um, always big shout out to all of our patron. Thank you again for all of your support. Um, and then also really exciting, we have the Alchemical Counseling that is now live. Um, so you can get more information from that on the website. And then the Know Thyself Network also has dropped its second pad podcast, which is the Animus Podcast. Um, and you can find that on the website as well as any other place that you find podcast. Yep. And so, um, yeah, my man, you got anything you need to add to no, that's for the it, announcements? Man. We're good? We're good. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Excellent, man.